Love Talk Radio. Games that went on 
the uh, Patriots um, really putting a, a, a whooping on the Colts, and then the Packers blowing um, the lead and letting the Seahawks kind of march right into the Super Bowl. So we're going to talk about those games. And then we're going to do a little special segment, kind of talk about, and this one's going to be led by uh, JB, and he's going to talk about the coaching changes and uh, get, get the co-hosts, everybody's thoughts on kind of the head coaches, because um, we're, we're winding down on that, too. We've had some hires this week, and uh, so we'll talk about that, and then kind of whatever else we want to talk about, because we can do that here on the Madden Voice. But I don't do this alone, as you guys well know. Uh, first and foremost, this guy was the EAFL Super Bowl One champion. He is a, a Chicago Bear uh, super fan. And uh, this man is, is the man who is the doctor of philosophy, being that he does have his Ph.D. Dr. Train, welcome to the Madden Voice. What's up, T? What's going on? What's good, man? What's good? One game to go. This is it. I know. I know it's a little sad, but it, it, it's also exciting. I love it. Yeah, good way to describe it. Good way to describe it. And this guy resides in the big ATL, but he is from Connecticut. He is from Bristol. Another another Dallas Cowboy fan. Go figure. Train calls him the voice of reason. I just happen to know of him as my younger brother, JB. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Good evening, fellas. Always glad to be on. And Dr. Train, I echo your same sentiments. Uh, exciting but sad. What's that lovely brother, Jay? And we are still awaiting, uh, still awaiting K-Star. Uh, don't see him, don't see him here now, but, um, we're still awaiting, uh, K-Star to join us, and, uh, we'll bring him on, uh, uh, shortly. So, um, let's talk, let's talk Green Bay and Seattle. Uh, let me go to you, Dr. Train, on this one first. You know, you played Green Bay twice this year. I just played them last week. Um, first question is, how surprised were you to see them jump out to such a dominant lead, 16 to nothing, uh, going into the half? Uh, honestly, very. Um, you know, I did. I, I didn't get a chance to see all of the all of the first half of the game. You know, doing and going to get a little worship in on Sunday. But you know, when I finally did catch up, I was like, wow. 16, 16 nothing, and um, they were actually looking pretty good. You know, they they didn't look like they were losing any steam. So um, it was it was it really was a shock to see them up that much. I I expected a closer game all the way through. JB, did you at halftime think this is it? There's there's no way they're coming back. Aaron Rodgers and the boys, Clay Matthews, this game is over. You know, it's, uh, it's a good question. Um, uh, it's a good question. I just don't get an answer. I was about to answer, but I heard a lot of feedback, so I wasn't sure if you could hear me or not. Could not hear you. That's what I thought. All right. I don't know why I'm not moving, but anyway... Like I said, good question. The answer is, yeah, I thought this game was pretty much done. Um, if you want to get into specifics, you're up 12, five minutes to go, and your defense has been playing fairly well. Actually, they've been playing very well. Uh, I, I thought it was over, but I also thought that 
there's a possibility because of all the times that they got into the red zone and couldn't punch it in and had to settle for field goals. I had a feeling that that could come back to bite them, and it did. So, Train, we've got a game that is looking pretty one-sided for the most part. And at what point did you see that Seattle had a chance? Was it truly at the onside kick, or before that did you say, these boys may could come back here and, and, and steal this game? When Seattle scored their first touchdown. <laughs> I'm sorry, when Seattle scored their first touchdown, I was like, yep, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> you're giving them you're giving them life and they're a team that knows how to fight you can't give them life man okay alright um, Seattle battles back they get their first touchdown I'm a little surprised they don't go for two but so be it JB at what point did you begin to think this team this team may have a shot here uh, I thought they had a shot when when uh, Green Bay got the ball at that interception by Burnett with five minutes to go and then I'm going three and out, uh, I said, well, that, that sounds like a, a recipe for a potential disaster. If they were able to get some first downs and milk the clock, then I'd have felt a little bit better. But with that three and out after the interception with so much time left, I was getting a little nervous. I ain't going to lie. You know, I got to tell you, when he got the interception and he runs and he falls to the ground, I thought, why did he not? There's five minutes to go in this game. Why is he kneeling? Why is he kneeling? Why is he? Why isn't he running, getting as many yards as they can? You know, it's it's 19-7. Another another three points, and it's 22-7. You know, you know, 12 points and 15 points. It's two different games. Now they now got to get at least one two point conversion. I I I, I was stunned and by you know, that, frankly. I don't really understand Julius Peppers considering that he played under Lovey. He played under Lovey Smith. That's not what we do. That's not what we ever did. Well, it's always cool. <laughs> well, well, he don't play for Lovey Smith anymore. There's the answer to that question. <laughs> well, hey, I, I just you know that that just shouldn't leave your you leave your, leave your frame of mind. You get the ball on defense. You go try to score if you can. Yeah, but not if they. If, but if you go play for a coach that doesn't teach that, if you play for a coach that teaches conservative, which clearly, that's a conservative mindset. You know, play it mm-hmm. safe. You're up by 12 points. You got the ball. Go down. <laughs> Don't do anything stupid. You know, that's that to me is a different in coaching philosophy. Which I, I, you know, I followed Don Capers for a while. Could that have been his philosophy? Well. Somebody told, and a matter of fact, um, um, yeah, it was Peppers that told him to get down. You know, Peppers was saying get down. So you know, and 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 no one post game is really questioning that. You know, I'm watching all the post game shows, and everyone's talking about the two point conversion. But I'm thinking, well, you know, they didn't get any points off that turnover. You know, that to me was. Even before that two-point conversion, I mean, uh, well, before the, the the onside kick and then the two-point conversion, um, that there to me was critical. Go get more yards. Try to get down me. If you can't score, get as close as you can. Give Aaron Rodgers a chance to get some points. And instead, he just goes down. I didn't see anybody within ten yards of him. So it just it was puzzling to me that they went conservative 
after playing so aggressive. It just seemed like all of a sudden now they're passive and being conservative instead of attacking. And and then and then and this one's been talked about. What really got me is you see Richard Sherman out there with one hand. I mean, dude is holding his arm, and you don't throw at him. I mean, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. I just, you know, everyone wants to blame the onside kick, and we'll get to that in a minute. But to me, you know, Jay touched on the three, you know, the three field goals in the first half, and if if one of those is touchdown, we're probably having a different conversation. Yeah. And, and 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 you've got this turnover, you know that, that that you don't do anything on, you know. You got Sherman playing one arm. You could see him visibly favoring that elbow and holding that arm tight. And you're not trying to throw at him, guys. Winston and Bay, Al been throwing on him all day. So you know there were other things that Green Bay did that lacked that killer instinct that I thought that they would have. I thought that they would go in in the second half with a much, you know, you know, okay, you know, a, a finish, let's go, we got this game, you know, and they really, especially the fourth quarter, they took the foot off the gas. And, Jay, when you saw the onside kick, and Bostic muffs it, and it goes into uh, Seattle's hand, what were your first thoughts? <laughs> you said like game over? Game over. Game over because and, and this is why. And to go back to back off of what you were just saying, T, is that it reminded me of a heavyweight fight where you're in the ninth round, you you got it won, so you feel like you're just gonna coast and, and get a decision. Instead of going in and snatching the victory, earning it, going for the knockout. And then this is what happens. All these different dominoes start happening. Three and out. You can't get any momentum going. Then they score a touchdown. Now you have the onside kick, which clearly was going to Jordy Nelson. But, I mean, hey, dude made a bonehead mistake. There was other factors leading up to this that should have made that mistake a moot point. He misses it. It goes into the person he was supposed to block hands instead of going directly to Jordy Nelson. And from there, it was just an avalanche because... Prior to all of this, once you had that 19-7 lead with the interception and, and Green Bay's got the ball, you have the, the defending champs on the ropes. The crowd is silent. And from that point forward, it all fell apart with, with, the, with the, the cowbell being the, the muffed onside kick. Once that occurred, any momentum that Green Bay had at all was completely gone. That's what you call deflating a team's hopes. That was it. Onside kick? Did you did you think that was kind of sealing Green Bay's fate, or did you kind of believe they still got Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, it felt like they still had Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I and this is this is my take on what I saw after Seattle scored and went up. I was like Aaron. I was like, now this is classic. This is classic A Rod. This is this is why he, this is why this is why I call him one of the four horsemen. This is it right here. Game winning drive. And then I saw the reason why I picked Seattle for, uh, to win this game. Aaron Rodgers was not 
I saw him not be able to scramble, not be able to get out of the pocket, not to be able to run the ball up field like he would normally do to create plays with his legs and keep drives alive. Because he had a clean opportunity on one play to run for some yards. But he had already stretched his hamstring on a couple plays prior to that, running for a first down and getting out of bounds, hopping out of bounds. So So when the opportunity came in, he couldn't run. All he could do was try to toss it to Lacey. Eddie Lacey wasn't looking for it because he's used to Aaron Rodgers running in those situations. He can't run. So, it's for Green Bay sells for a few, though, because they don't have 100% A-Rod. Well, let's be clear, though. There's no telling that 100%, you know, Aaron Rodgers still scores on Green, or, uh, Seattle. There's, there's no, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, in the first half, when his leg was feeling a little bit better, um, you know, three three trips, three out of four trips, had to settle for a field goal. Um, so, you know, it would have been interesting if he's 100% to see how he would have tacked them. But, you know, we also saw him at 100% the first week of the season, and they lost by 20. So I, I'm not sure. I don't, I, I'm going to say my opinion. I don't know if he does it or not. I really don't. You know, Jordy Nelson was not a huge factor in this game. You know, um, um, it, I, I, I just, I just don't know. It would have been interesting, but you know, I think, I think the Seattle defense. I think part of it is just you know you're playing Seattle. I think they've just developed such a reputation that even with Thomas out with a separated shoulder and he comes back with a, with a harness on, you know, uh, uh, Sherman with his elbow, you know, holding his elbow close to his body, and yet he's still not attacking these guys. And I know he's hurt too, but I'm not sure I'm not sure if he's healthy, if he, if, how much better he, I, he, I, he, it would have been interesting to see. Let's just put it that way. It would have been interesting to see if he was healthy. Um, no, no, no doubt. I mean, I can't. You can't. I, you're right about that. You definitely can't predict that they would score. I just know that that played a factor on that last drive. Yeah. I, and you you saw it like directly in one play. In that in that one play, it was like, man. Yeah. Yeah. He had a wide right. open. Yeah. He would he would have been able to run. I don't even know if he would have got the first down, but it would have definitely kept that set of downs. Would have been a lot easier than what it was. So that 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 set of downs is what ended up causing them to take the field goal instead of keep the drive alive to get a, get a first. Right, on that, on right. That, on that set of downs. Right, true. Very true, very true, very true. Let me remind everybody, 347-838-9525, uh, 347-838-9525. You can also send us a message on Facebook, the Madden Voice backslash, I'm sorry, facebook.com backslash uh, the Madden Voice and uh, Twitter, just at the Madden Voice if you want to send us a message. Um, you know, when I saw the onside kick, I didn't think the game was over. But knowing football and knowing, um, you know, kind of a little bit about the game, I knew this guy was not supposed to get the um, ball. And... I wasn't totally sure, but just something told me something went wrong with that play. Something told me that this guy, this ain't this ain't the start. You know, this isn't 
Jason Witten. This isn't Jimmy Graham. This isn't Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez. You know, this 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 is a second or third string tight end. He's there to block. He's there to leave room for somebody else to get the ball. That was what I was thinking. And sure enough, turned out he didn't do his job. Turned out that this boy decided he was going to go up and win the game. And, you know, it it, it, it really kind of demonstrates when coaches do their post-game interviews or their during-the-game interviews and they say it's a team game, you know, do your job one play at a time, just do your job. And there's an emphasis on, you know, here's a, here's a kid that didn't do his job and all the whole world is feeling sorry for him. I'm not because he didn't do his nope. job. He didn't do what you were supposed to do. You took, a, you took a gamble because you wanted the glory. You took the gamble mm-hmm. because you wanted to be the guy that sealed the game. Because if they get that kick, the game is over. Two minutes, a little yeah. over two minutes, one timeout Seattle has in a two-minute warning, it, 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 it's over. You know, I don't even know if they need a first down. They might, they may not. But if Seattle were to get the ball back, I mean, we're talking, you know, not a lot of time to do anything. And no timeouts. The game is, for all practical purposes, the game is over if they get the onside kick. And this this young man decided he wanted to get the glory. He didn't do what he what they do when they practice onside kick. He didn't find his man and block so that Jordy Nelson could get the ball. He said, "I'm going to get the ball." Yeah. And then he did what you would expect him to do <laughs> because he's a third string tight end, which is muff. The catch, and Seattle gets the ball. The other thing I want to comment on, and as I'm watching the play, I'm like, I, I don't believe this. Ha ha! Clinton Dix had two picks. One of them just went into his hands. The other one was a nice kind of, you know, one-handed kind of behind him grab, and he brought it in. So, you know, the other one was a tip, and it just went right into his hands. But he had that he had that Charles Woodson look going because you know Woodson used to play for the Packers twenty one. He was kind of looking a little Charles Woodson like back there. But what happened on the doggone two point conversion? Russell Wilson throws. Oh a my deeper. goodness! Russell Wilson throws a lob. You know this is you want to talk about Madden making it rain? That's what 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 uh, what Russell what what Russell Wilson threw up. I could have got out of. My house in Bristol, Connecticut, drove to Seattle, Washington, <laughs> ran onto the field, and made a play on the ball as long as that ball was up in the air. And yet, dude looked like stunned, looked like froze, like, huh? <laughs> you know, you know what? He's like, you know, it's like, it's like he's thinking, I think that might be the ball. I believe that, oh, it is the ball. Oh, two points. <laughs> you know, Man, it, that, it, was, uh, that, that was shocking. I, I thought for sure he was going to knock it down. I was like, oh, oh man, this is laying up there. Man, when he threw the ball up, I was like, okay, that's a, that, you know, Roger Starbuck right now is saying, did someone call my name? There's a Hail Mary around somewhere, you know, Roger Starbuck's in there saying, that's, that's a, that's a 2015 Hail Mary right there, you know, and, and, and like Roger Starbuck, it got completed. I mean, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you wonder, you talk about destiny, 
you talk about momentum, you talk about mojo, but if any one of these plays are made, it's a different game. And yet, for some reason, this very well-coached team, in the last five minutes, falls apart. You fall out on the ground with ten, at least 10 yards ahead of you, maybe more, maybe more, on a turnover. You, you must a two-point conversion that wasn't supposed to be yours anyway because you're supposed to go block. You don't make a play on, I'm sorry, on a second, you don't make a play on a two-point conversion. You don't attack a quarterback that's playing with one arm. With your all-pro, well, I don't know if he's all-pro, but he's a pro bowler, your pro bowl wide receiver. You know, it's just so many things, and if any of these things happen, we're probably talking about can Aaron Rodgers get well to play Tom Brady and, you know, the best quarterback of today playing one of the best of all time, and it's a completely different discussion we're having. And instead, we're talking about a Green Bay Packers team that blew it. Now, Jay, let me ask you this. A lot of people said it was karma for Dallas to lose to Green Bay because Dallas shouldn't have lost or shouldn't have won against Detroit, that the refs gave Detroit that game. A lot of people said that. And so Karma came back and robbed Dallas of that catch and ultimately a chance to win that game. But not a lot of people are saying, oh, Karma came back now on Aaron Rodgers. Is this Karma, Jay? Was this Karma? Was this ultimately Karma that doomed Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers to give this game, hand this game on a silver platter to Seattle? Uh, no, you, you have to play 60 minutes of football, and they didn't play 60 minutes of football, period. If they had played the full 60 minutes of football, we wouldn't be having the discussion that we're having today. We wouldn't be having the the folks on TV and on other talk shows talking about it the way we're talking about it. So this is a game that they should have won that they didn't, and I don't think Karma in this particular case had anything to do with it. They just did not play the full 60 minutes that you're supposed to play. And then some since it went into overtime. They just didn't get the job done. Train, is it karma? Do you believe in karma, Dr. Train? The, the, the man the, the man with the philosophy, is this karma? Or you agree with uh J B? No, man, I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a big big fan of karma, you know what I'm saying? Things happen because people make mistakes, man. Uh it may feel that way, but it was a meltdown. It was just a meltdown of a team that that then had it, you know, they had victory. It was right there, standing in the face, and uh, you know, with the Dolphins snatching victory from the Dolphins, it it snatching from the Dolphins victory. However, they put it, either way, it was a meltdown by Green Bay. You know, I don't know that I agree with karma or believe in karma, but I do believe that that statistically. When you get breaks at some point, those breaks will go against you. And I believe statistically, when the breaks go against you, at some point, you'll start getting them. I believe in time, it all evens out. So if you get a call your way earlier in the season, if you if you steal a game earlier in the season, later on, you're going to lose one. You know, I believe in time, it just it evens out. And I think this is what we saw. I think in time, it just kind of plays itself out. And you know, don't worry. You know, if a team backs into the playoffs, then you know something will happen later down the road, 
and, and there'll be a call message that should have went their way, and they'll be bounced out again. I just believe that I, some people call that karma. I just say you've got to make your own breaks, and if you don't and you rely on them, you'll get some, but in time you're going to lose them too. I think this is what we saw. You know, they got some breaks. I mean, you know, those those – I think uh, of the four interceptions, if I remember correctly, I believe three of them were tipped passes. I know two were definitely tipped passes. Maybe even three were tipped passes. Um, you know, so you have a quarterback who doesn't really throw a lot of interceptions with with four in the game. You've got plus another turnover. So you got five turnovers in a game. So I mean, you know, you you got some breaks. You got some things happening your way, but it is a sixty-minute game. And and you've got to play the entire game. You can't you can't you know. And and I think clearly they just had a little you know when they were up nineteen to seven and they had the ball in their mind the game was over. Now Doug Baldwin needs to shut his mouth. I mean, I mean it, sometimes you just sound stupid. I don't want to hear we never gave up. We never we always. Listen, I, I, I didn't do I didn't do the R rating on this show, so I can't say what I was going to say. But what I can say is, shut up! You were petrified. You were scared when when that turnover happened, and you were going on the field, and you look up at the clock, and you saw five minutes and seven seconds to go, and Aaron Rodgers has got the ball, and you're down by two scores. You were worried. That's human nature. Maybe you didn't give up. Clearly, you kept fighting. But don't sit there and act like we knew we knew and we believed in each other. I can't stand. When they get up there and lie like that. Tell the truth. Man, I was scared to death. I thought we was going to lose this game. But we didn't quit. Okay, I'll give you you didn't quit. I'll give you that. You didn't quit. But don't act like you knew all along. There's no way you knew. Green Bay handed that game to them on the silver platter. Yes, Train, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say my my biggest issue with, uh, with, with, with his whole rant was the whole nobody gave us a chance. Like, are you serious? You see yeah. <laughs> what do you mean Number nobody gave seed. you a chance? Number one seed. He's a top seed in the NFC. Nobody gave you a chance? Like everybody right. thought Green Bay was going to come in your home and beat you? Right. Mm-hmm. Playing like a juggernaut. <laughs> right. right. When you're about nine out of your last ten, but no one gave you a chance. Yeah, during that, that whole rant that he had, he's talking about the first half of the season where everybody knows the first half of the season, you, you're trying to figure yourself out, trying to figure out who you got on your team. You're trying to figure out where you're going to be able to position yourself for a good run. The second half of the season, they went on a tear. So I don't want to hear anything about nobody gave us a chance. You were 3-3, three and three, six games in, ten games to go. Anything can happen. Don't go all the way back to that. And, and T, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I actually like the fact that Russell Wilson, the way he – the way he was, it was raw emotion. He was very thankful because he knew that shit was sinking. He knew it. Yeah. And you could tell he knew it. I'd be crying too because if I was in that position, yeah, I'd be bawling like a little baby because he knew. He was like, all right, what am I going to do for the off season? Can I take some trips over here? Am I going to go see some people? That's what was going through his head. But for Baldwin, oh, I knew all along. Slow your egg roll. He ain't know. Well, and the other thing about Russell Wilson – well, the other thing about Russell Wilson is the first half he played like garbage, and he knew it. Yeah, you know. Exactly, so, exactly. so if they went home, he he this one was on him, you know, because he he did he did. I mean, it's the worst half I've ever seen him play. 
one of the worst halves of football I've seen. I mean, I mean, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. I think I put this picture on uh on uh, Dr. Train's um um uh, thing, man. I mean, he looked like Jay Cutler. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, 
I had a problem when he didn't when he doesn't do his interviews because that's your job. That's what is expected of you. You have a job to do. Unfortunately, you don't get the luxury of going out playing on the field and then going home. Your job is to represent your team and the NFL. And part of that job is to do post-game interviews. Some of y'all said, I ain't got a problem with it, right? Well, now I got a bigger problem with it because now you're drawing attention to yourself with your little gestures, but then you don't want to go and face the music after he didn't, he didn't do the interview after. He declined to be interviewed. So what's your problem, dude? You're obviously wanting attention by doing that. So are you humble or not? Because I don't think you're humble. I think it's a big joke to you. I think it's a big game to you. Dude, mega talented. As a football player, anybody would want him on his team as a football player. But all this other stuff is turning me off, man. It's completely turning me off. And it's, to me, it's taken away from how insanely talented this guy is. You know, he's got two of the most physical Earl Campbell-like runs in NFL history, two of them. But then you do this crotch-grabbing gesture that you've been fine before, and yet you're still doing it. I, I can't figure this out. Somebody help me. Dr. Train, you, 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 you know, help, am I wrong? Well, help me here. No, you, you, you know, I'm in agreement with you. I, I, I'm actually totally in agreement with, um, I don't know if you heard what Stephen A. had to say about his whole situation. I, I see, you know, I'm in agreement with even Stephen A.'s point of view because here's a dude that that, that is from the hood, you know what I'm saying, that managed to change his lifestyle, but he still loves home. And what I've understood through life is that you know, people listen to people that come from where they came from. They can relate to it. They can relate to them. So, Marshall Lynch on the stage that he's on, there's guys that could relate to him. But instead of, you know, being humble like I thought he was, um, he chooses to do this instead. Got enough negativity. We get enough negativity in, in the news when it comes when it comes to young black men. This this doesn't help. It doesn't change the picture at all. And and all these all all, all these dudes in the hood they look up to you. They're gonna feel exactly how you feel about the NFL. So basically, you're saying F the NFL. That's what you're saying. So that's that's that's, that's how that's exactly how they're gonna feel. That's how. I feel. All right, JB. Uh, I I can't defend the actions that he had. Um, I don't have too much of an issue with him not wanting to speak, but I guess you do have a point. What what is it going to be? Do you do you want the attention or, or do you not want the attention? And up until that crotch grabbing point, I, I was all right with. It. I didn't have a problem with it. But once that occurred, it's, you're starting to blur the lines of of who you are or who you want to be depicted as, and you start to lose any type of credibility. You start to lose folks that are going to be in your corner for when you do stupid things like this. So I can't defend it. I really have nothing nothing that I can add to it to try and defend him because I simply can't do it. Nah, I think he was just plain wrong and he shouldn't have done it. You know, and, and the thing about it is what really, what really gets me, and I, I heard Stephen A's comments. I don't really remember them. Um, sometimes I block some of his stuff out. Um, 
I don't remember. He might have made a valid point. I don't know. So if I'm saying something Stephen A. did, it's coincidence. But what 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 disturbs me is that playing football is really a privilege. It's not a right. And and so many hundreds of thousands, not just inner city kids, but just kids, you know, all over the world, not just in this country, but all over the world want that opportunity. And a very, very small few will get that opportunity. You know, and if you have a chance to play that game, you know, the average life of a running back is really only three or four years. So if you're blessed to play even longer than that, now, now you, you've lowered, you, you've put yourself into even more of a league category by the length of time you've been able to play. Now he's playing at a, at a high level. So now he's even more of a smaller category. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. Now he's going to a second. Like he keeps on field doing the things that make him elite when we have to start thinking of him as one of the best in the game. But then he totally takes it away with this off-field behavior. And I'm not even talking about some of the stuff that Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson stuff. I'm just talking about just, just stupidity. And it disrespects the game. You know, respect the game. You know, respect the fact it's an honor to be able to say I play professional football. It's not a right, it's an honor. You know, respect it. And that to me is disrespectful of the game. I love at the end of the game when the teams get together. You know, you gotta think about this this is a brotherhood on the on that field. And at the, when the game's over, a lot of them get together at midfield and they pray together. You know, when they see each other before the game, they don't say good luck, they say stay healthy. Right? Because I can't wish you good luck because we're about to play. But I want you to stay healthy. You know, stay healthy. You know, and, and there is a brotherhood in this competition. And, you know, when you think about it, there's only 32 starting running backs in the NFL, and you're one of them. Show some pride and respect with, with that. You know, you, you're carrying a legacy in the NFL of greatness. What are you going to do with it? You've got the mantle, bro. What are you going to do? You're going into the Super Bowl as clearly with no disrespect to LeGarrette Blount, who's playing some good football. But Lynch is the man in this game. Lynch could control this game single-handedly. You know, spotlight's on you. What are you going to do with it? You want to be known for grabbing a crotch and having stupid post-game interviews? Or do you want to show the game some respect? And that's really what irritates me. Show the game some damn respect. You know, we love this game. Fans, you know, everybody, we love this game. Show us some damn respect. And I would say that if he was a cowboy. I'd probably say it even louder if he was a cowboy. I'd be screaming at him. To show. As a matter of fact, I'd probably be screaming at him to cut his ass, you know, if he can't show no respect to the game. Show the game some damn respect. And let's see what happens over the next couple weeks with the media days and stuff. It's going to be very interesting to see Marshawn Lynch over the next two weeks and how he behaves himself. Anyway, let's move on. Um, let's see. Let's move on to the next game. So we have one game that, and, and, and my last comment on this game, for at least for now, um, very entertaining game though. <laughs> you know, you, you you have to you have to say um, it was a very very good game. It was an enjoyable game. But in a way, uh, to quote Dr. Train, they sold us a dream because we went into from that game into the next game, and it was kind of like, okay, um, what happened? Um, because we saw uh, a pretty one-sided game, 
we saw why Tom Brady is Tom Brady, why the Patriots are the Patriots. Um, it was never really in question. This game was, I mean, you know, okay, 17-7 at half. You, you got, you kind of thought maybe the Colts could come and put something together, and they, the Patriots just came out in the third quarter with 21 points and just buried these boys. And they left the starters in late in the game. I mean, they really wanted to crush the Colts and send a message. Um, you know, and, and we'll talk about Deflate Gate and all that in a second, but um, JB, you know, your thoughts on this game, you know, was was New England really just that much better, or was this stage just too big for the Colts? They're just not ready. They're just not ready for prime time. They left it on there. They were able to get past since, uh, uh, not Cincinnati, um, uh, uh, Denver, but hey, they're just not ready for this big stage just yet. What do you think? I think it's a little bit of both, actually, and, um, I think the Patriots are this good, and I think they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they were this good. I think with the Colts, you think about the role to how they made it into the playoffs. They played a, a Cincinnati team that were missing two of their best players with Gresham and obviously A.J. Green. Then you go in and you play the Broncos with a, a Peyton Manning who's obviously not right. Uh, take no, take nothing away from those victories. Now you're stepping into Foxborough to go against Tom Brady, who's obviously has a bit of a, a mission of his own, if you will, because that Kansas City whooping that he had, I think, plays in the forefront of his mind every time he puts that chin strap on because he doesn't want to taste that ever again. And the way they went up and down the field on the way that defense played, it should have been worse than 17-7 to at the half, to be honest with you. that This game was clearly over probably midway through the third quarter, and it could have been over at halftime if they had converted on a few of the opportunities that they had, but... Uh, it's a little both. Little they'll be they'll they're they're making strides. They'll they'll be back next year, but this definitely was not their their time for it yet. Doctor Train, same question. Uh, I just I honestly agree with everything Jay said. It's not their time. I mean, as you look at taking his off right now, you know, you got two of the you got you got two of the four horses. Yeah, you got to put a four horse to get the And uh, you're able to get by one, but the Patriots are definitely on a mission. Uh, and they are looking, they're looking every bit of the goal ready. So, you know, just, it's just one more man's time. He'll, 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 he has years, so he gives another chance. Um. Yeah. The slate gate. Let's talk about it. Train, a lot to do about nothing or an issue. You concerned or you think it's being blown over, being blown into nothing? Right now, for me, it's a lot to do about nothing, man. I don't really, I'm just like, uh, okay, um, investigate it, you find something, then I, I don't know. Right now, I just, I'm just like, Deflated ball, inflated ball, totally out for me. I don't care what kind of ball they use. <laughs> Train? I mean, uh, I'm sorry, JB? You know, they could have used it and it wouldn't have made it. So I, I care about inflated, deflated, overinflated, underinflated. It doesn't matter. You could be out there with a net ball, wasn't going to make a difference. That, that didn't cause 30 point difference between the two. So it's a whole bunch of nothing. 
Well, I'm going to take the opposite road because it irritates the hell out of me, just like that formation irritated out of me. Why? The question is, why? If it's a lot to do about nothing, then why? Why? If it happened, it happened for a reason. Am I saying that they that they needed to do that to win? No, I'm not saying that at all. But then why did they do it anyway? Obviously, if in fact this happened, the, the theory is that it makes the ball, and especially in that weather, that wet weather, a little easier to throw and a little easier to catch. And for those who are saying, well, it would be the same for both teams, that's not true. Just to educate the Madden voice uh, community out there. Each team is given 12 balls to play with. And so if hypothetically they deflated their balls, it would not be the same balls that the Colts were playing with. So the 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 um, advantage, if there is any, would be for the Patriots only. And the whole reason that this became an issue is because Brady threw a pick in the second quarter and I think it was a linebacker that made the pick and he, as he was holding the ball, he said, this isn't feeling right. And he brought it over to his coach and said, hey, I don't, you know, the ball's feeling a little weird. What do you think? And the ball went through a series of hands. And the, the, the rumor is, this is unconfirmed, that what they did was weigh it and realize that it, you know, it might have been a couple of ounces. I mean, the ball's only going to weigh about, you know, 12, 13 ounces anyway. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's under a pound. And that the, the the you know a couple of ounces of deflation can make a difference. My problem is why you already had Spygate, you already had this formation question, you already you know you 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 have demonstrated a propensity to either skirt around the law or go right to the edge of the letter of the law. Why? Why? A competitive advantage. Clearly, at 42-7, to 7, you didn't need a competitive advantage over that team. But clearly, you didn't know that if you did that. I have a huge problem with it. And when you start talking about the fact that, you know, if the NFL finds that this really did happen, it could cost them a draft pick? That's what, that's what people are saying? That's major. That's huge. That's not, that's not, oh, no big deal. That's a huge penalty. So, would have affected the outcome of the game? I'm in agreement with you guys that I don't think the Colts, I, you could have put helium in them, in them boys and it wasn't going to matter. I'm in full agreement. The Colts were outmatched in this game, and it didn't matter. It would not have impacted the outcome of the game. But I'm in, a, but I'm in my belief that, that Bill Belichick and his team w weren't that confident in the beginning if, in fact, they decided they were going to do something to give them an edge. If they know, and trust me, Bill Belichick's been coaching this league a long time. He knows every rule in that book. He knows doggone well that those balls are inflated to a certain pressure. He knows that. And if he went out there and, and, and instructed them to take a couple of ounces of air out of there, <coughs> he knew that that would give them an advantage. And that's my problem. You broke a rule to get in a competitive advantage. I got a problem with that. I do. And I don't like it. And it just, it lends to me the same distaste as last week when, when they played the, the Ravens and they doing that. Now, they did it a few times this game. Now, I don't have a problem with it because you did it. It's been blown up in the press. So, now it's up to the Colts to be ready for it. Now, I don't care. Now that it's done, 
not, nah, I don't care. But I cared three, four, because you knew it was legal, but something really not done. So you gambled on the fact that you were really digging something up that no one ever really uses to try to get a competitive advantage. Some people call that brilliant. I ain't got a problem with that position. I think it's cheap. And I think this year, though, where we are not talking about breaking a rule, I got a problem with that. It irritates me. You don't have to do that. You have guys You have guys like Tom Brady and Gronkowski and Blunt and these boys. They're working hard out there. They, they don't want a tainted victory. They want people to say, this team has a legitimate shot of beating Seattle. Period. This team might go into Arizona and beat Seattle. That's how good they're playing. We don't want to say, well, you know, how much of an advantage did they get and blah, blah, blah. They don't, they, this team doesn't deserve that cloud. They don't deserve that. They deserve every kudos for whooping up on the Colts. Whooping them. Beat them like they stole something. And they deserve every accolade. Now you got a little bit of doubt lingering back there in some people's mind, including mine. Now you just you, you got to start asking questions that you, you wouldn't have asked before. You know, now they're talking about breaking the rule and what could be the penalty and all of that. So we're going to let it play out. Maybe it turns into nothing, and I come back on the show next week, and I say, well, it was, it was a lot to do about nothing. They found no cause, dismissed it, and life goes on. But we don't know that just yet. Um, if anybody is out there watching the president, um, we will try to wrap up the show as soon as we can. Um, I, I was not aware until it was kind of too late to move the show, and I know a lot of people do want to see the State of the Union address, so we are mindful of the State of the Union address coming on in about seven minutes, and uh, we'll, we'll try not to go too far past 9 o'clock. Um, and fortunately, we have two weeks <laughs> before the Super Bowl. So next week is really the week that we get into um, um, kind of talking about the game and making our picks and all that. Um, so we've got Brady going to the Super Bowl for the sixth time. Um, and next week we're going to talk about what this means for Tom Brady's legacy. You know, what does it mean if he wins the Super Bowl and where does he stand? How big of a Super Bowl is this for Tom Brady? Sixth appearance could win four out of six or three out of six. Do opinions change if he matches Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw with four wins? Do opinions change if he just stays tied with Troy Aikman with three, but also has three losses on his resume? We're going to talk about that next week, so just as a heads up. Um, before we talk about, we're going to give away individual uh, 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 awards to players of the year, but before we do that, I'm going to turn it over to JB, who's going to give everybody an update on the coaching news, and, and I'm very curious with uh, Dr. Train's uh, thoughts on one coach in particular. But, uh, J.B., take it away. All right. We definitely have a lot of changes going on. It's been a busy last few, several days, actually, of head coaching, offensive and defensive coordinator positions. So uh, instead of doing it one at a time, I'm just going to basically break it down by team. Uh, for those of out there in the Madden voice world, probably want to know how your team is, is faring with this. So with that being said, I'll start off with right down here in the A with the head coaching position. Obviously, everybody knows Mike Smith was let go after a disappointing season, and everything points to Dan Quinn being the next head coach at Atlanta. It's just a matter of wrapping up the Super Bowl before that's made official. Offensive coordinator, it looks like Kyle Shanahan is the one that's going to be handpicked by Dan Quinn to take over for 
Dirt Coder. Um, and a defensive coordinator has not been filled yet. That's still one vacancy they're looking at. Mike Nolan, I believe, is out. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, once I find out about that, I will let you know. On uh, to Baltimore, their big change, looking at the offensive coordinator, obviously Gary Kubiak leaving that position. Mark Tressman is now the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. That should be interesting with how he plans on developing Flacco even further and the weapons that he has on offense. So I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. Big changes in Buffalo. Obviously, everyone knows that Doug Marone decided to opt out of his contract, and uh, I'll, I'll get into his situation in a moment. Rex Ryan is brought in. JV. JV. Yep, I'm here. Wait. Yeah, you, you, we lost you for about 15 seconds or so. Started with Rex yeah, Ryan, right. and then we lost you. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me pick up then. Ryan beat the new head Bills. Doug Malone opted out of his contract. Uh, actually, Doug Malone has now taken the position of a head coach, uh, offensive line coach, Jaguars. Uh, he may have said this a little too soon because that's a that's a steep drop, if you ask me, but that's my opinion. Offensive coordinator, Hackett is out of there in Buffalo, replaced by Greg Roman, who was the former offensive coordinator for the 49ers. And we also know that Jim Schwartz was let go from his D coordinator position, and that position has not been filled yet, so stay tuned on that one. Now, the big one of the three of us here, Chicago, John Fox, new head coach brings in Vic Fangio as a D coordinator from the 49ers. That right there is going to be a very good tandem. Uh, I, I'm curious to see who's going to be their offensive coordinator to keep that offense going. But when you have a head coach and a defensive coordinator with strong defensive ties, the monsters of the midway could be back if they can get the personnel right. So, Train, when I, when I wrap up, I really want to hear, and I'm sure T feels the same way. I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Uh, Cleveland, not too much just yet with Cleveland. Honestly, Kyle Shanahan is out, and again, it looks like he'll be in Atlanta. Stay tuned for changes on the offensive coordinator position with that. The Broncos, John Fox and the Broncos parted ways, and Gary Kubiak is now brought in as the head coach. Offensive coordinator used to be Adam Gase. Not too sure where he's going. It looks like he may go to the Rams or the Jags but it looks like Kubiak wants Rick Dennison to be his offensive coordinator. And for defense, Jack Del Rio, he's abandoned that position. Vance Joseph looks like he could be the front runner for it. So stay tuned with those two. They look pretty solid right now, but um, anything can change in the NFL, as we already know. Jacksonville, quick update. They had a change in offensive coordinator. Greg Olson is now the new offensive coordinator. Jed Fish got the boot. The Giants... They're looking for a new defensive coordinator. Pair of fuel days are over as D.C. and the uh, and the Big Blue. For the New York Jets, Rex Ryan is gone. Todd Bowles from Arizona, their defensive coordinator, jumped ship, heads to New York. And it looks like Chan Gailey was just uh, brought in today as the new offensive coordinator replacing Marty Morningwake. And it also looks like Casey Rogers is going to be the new defensive coordinator replacing Dennis Thurman. Off to Oaktown, Jack Del Rio, new coach. And technically, he replaces Dennis Allen, who was the, the actual head coach. Um, Tony Sperano was interim. 
and it looks like Bill Musgrave is going to be the offensive coordinator there. Uh, Pittsburgh, the big change in Pittsburgh, and too bad we don't have K-Star on here because Dick LeBeau and the Steelers decide to part ways, and Keith Butler gets promoted from linebacker's coach to deep coordinator. Curious to see what uh, K-Star's thoughts are on that. San Francisco, Jim Harbaugh, he's going to his alma mater, alma mater, University of Michigan, and Jim Tomsula gets promoted to being the head coach. And Greg Roman and Vic Fangio, those are your offensive and defensive coordinators. Those positions are available, and they are going through several interviews right now. Nothing is firm just yet. Tampa Bay looks like Dick Coder is now the offensive coordinator. He's replacing Jeff Tedford slash Marcus Arroyo. Looks like there was a co-offensive coordinator situation there. And then for Washington, Jim Hazlitt has been given his walking papers, and they have picked Joe Barry to be their next defensive coordinator. That's what we have so far for head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator positions to date. Um, and, and that was great. Great update, Jay. And very astute of you to uh, say that I'd want to hear what Dr. Train said since I just said a minute ago. I want to hear what Dr. Train said. So very good that you heard Everybody got jokes. He's like, yeah, and I'm sure Terry wants to hear it. I just said it a minute ago that I want to hear it. But before we get your, um, before that, I just want to, I want to say this. Uh, Kubiak in Denver. Uh, first of all, before I even watched first take, I said, I don't get it. And I normally, you know, I'm not here to promote first take or Stephen A. Smith or, or, or ESPN. But all I'm going to say is, if you get a chance to have it on iTunes, you can probably catch it on YouTube, watch his take on Kubiak getting this position. And I am 100% in agreement with his analysis, not only on why Kubiak just, I mean, I know why because of relationships, but why would a guy who has done nothing as a head coach get such a great team and opportunity? But secondly, you know, when you look at the minority opportunities around the league and a guy like Todd Bowles ends up in the, with the Jets because he doesn't have that relationship. And Kubiak, who has done nothing as a head coach, gets to go and take over a super team like Denver. And by the way, Den- Denver is going if I'm Peyton, if, if I'm Peyton Manning, frankly now, I might just retire. <laughs> Personally, I, yeah, I don't see him as the guy you needed. Maybe I'm wrong, and I can be proven wrong next year, but this isn't the guy. <laughs> this is the guy. This is clearly Elway picking who he wanted, who he liked. I don't think this has. I don't think this has anything to do with Peyton Manning. My opinion, nothing at all. This is an Elway guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next. You know, Peyton's got about sixty days, forty-five to sixty days, to make a decision before his. Salary is going to count on the salary cap. It's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. Um, is he coming back and is he not? And how how does this impact that decision? But more importantly, I really am curious to see. And the reason that Kubiak has a job is because John Fox and the Broncos mutually decided it was time to move on, um, which begs a lot of questions there. Um, you know, uh, but nevertheless, he ends up in Chicago. And I'm curious, Train. We haven't talked about it. 
What is your reaction? What are your thoughts? Are you excited? Are you not? Talk to us about John Fox taking over your team. Oh, man. Um, well, I was excited when we hired our general manager, really, uh, because we went against we, we went against what we traditionally done. And we went, we went and got a young mind, and I like it. You know, it's no different than 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 me working, you know, my job. Young, young, young minds, you know, they, they see things differently. So uh, let's start with, with, with Ryan Pace. I thought that was a great hire. The fact uh, that he went and got a head coach, the head coaching experience, and that's been a head coach since 2002, I thought was freaking awesome. Because normally, it's since 1959, Chicago has not hired a head coach with head coaching experience. They've hired all you know guys that were previous coordinators or position coaches to be their new head coach. So it's the first time we went against the most uh, since the 50s, late 50s. So I love it. And you went and got a defensive-minded coach. That means exactly what you said, Jay, bringing back the monsters of the midway. Then you add Vic Fangio, who I don't care if it's 3-4, I don't give a damn, as long as the defense hits somebody. And San Francisco was hitting people. Regardless of what that front looked like, that defense played the entire season. And that's what I'm expecting to see. I don't, I don't care who, who the guys are. Uh, just, just get some guys that's just going to hit you know, put on, get our name back in those defensive books like we've been before, and that's that's exciting. Um, it will be interesting to see who we get as offensive coordinator. We do got a special teams guy. They got uh, um, John Foxcroft, the guy that was his special teams coordinator with him in Denver, uh, which Denver had a pretty good special team, so I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I, I do hate that we're missing out on Kyle Shanahan. I really wanted that guy. I, I, I like the way he runs his. I like the way his offense works, and it's another young mind. But hey, hopefully they find somebody that can that can get something out of Jay because he may not be going anywhere. Uh, so, so as far as the head, yeah, I, I want to get back to the head coach. So you're encouraged yeah. by this hire? Yeah, that's that's why that's why I have to go. Yeah, as far as the head coach is concerned, I am I completely, completely love it. I mean, the dude, dude has been a head coach since two, since 2002. You can't, you know, saying you can't argue with that. And I looked at his results. No, every he hasn't hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he has taken teams to the playoffs. But it's not like there's a Super Bowl winning head coach just lying out there somewhere that's been yeah, just right. been coaching. You don't just right. that don't just fall in your lap. You know, right. Bill Cowher, nor John Gruden are looking to get back into coaching. Okay, they like right. they like what they do. So. To get a guy that that has a, at least a winning pedigree and and within the last four seasons has has taken a team to the playoffs, um, I think it's I think it's easy. And each year one, and each year has won a game, well, well at least one of at least one of the years they did. But you know, you know well, I, I'll put it to you this way: we'll see. Um, he he. You know, how much of this team went to the Super Bowl because of Peyton Manning and how much of it was John Fox would be my question. And I don't know that we'll ever know that answer. But he was the head coach. 
You know, it's kind of like Jerry, Barry Switzer was coaching Dallas in 95 when they won their last Super Bowl. But everybody knows Jimmy Johnson built that team. So Switzer went along for the ride and, and maybe was able to get that last Super Bowl win. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'll tell you what I do like, though. I'll tell you where I started to think that maybe you got a winner. Um, I'm a big a guy. I'm a big in the history and tradition. I'm big into that. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay will tell you. We, Jay's the same way. And I read an article that one of the first things he did was reach out to Brian Urlacher. And... Yeah. And, and and really wants to mend fences with Brian Urlacher. And yeah. the second thing is he is planning to talk to Mike Ditka, who up until recently was kind of, which I didn't know, but was kind of, you know, on the outs with the whole Chicago organization as well. So here's a guy who, now I don't know, I don't know if he's going to try to lure Urlacher out of retirement, maybe give him one year deal and say, come, you know, which I think would be great for you guys. I think, I think Erlacher's got some get this, you know, NFL left. Frankly, my opinion is uh, there were rumors that Dallas was going to try to get him last year, and I wish they had. I think, I think just leadership alone, you give that guy a decent contract for a year, and he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, coach that team. He's, he's Peyton Manning on defense, if you ask me. My opinion, you know better than oh, me, absolutely. Train, but, yeah. But I yeah, think, absolutely. but so whatever the motive is, I just think a man coming in that respects. Chicago tradition to reach out to two major names like Brian Urlacher and Mike Ditka and want to mend fences with them, to me, speaks mountains for his commitment to your team and potential that I think he could do as a head coach. That speaks bigger to me than anything he, he could do right now with players. You know, he said he got texts from Jay Cutler, uh, you know, and all that. Hey, that's a great, and you know, you, you might very well be stuck with Jay Cutler. And you know what? Fox just had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever for four years. So let's see if maybe Jay, knowing this, you know, as opposed to having a guy coming in from Canada to coach you, <laughs> you know, now you got a guy who just played, who just coached, you know, now it's like, wait a minute, this is an older guy who coached in the Super Bowl and coached Peyton Manning. I better shut my mouth and listen. I better, I better do what this guy says. I better pay attention. So I, I think there's some op- there should be some optimism. Um, just organizationally, I think Fox is doing the right thing. I had no idea he had that kind of class. Not that I thought he was not. Yeah. Did I just didn't realize that he would do that? That to me was like wow. You know, that's huge. When I when, I, when, when T, I, I read that I read that that, that, that I, I saw the I saw the title of it. It was um, I, I was checking my phone at work, so I didn't didn't get a chance to read the actual article. But I saw that he was reaching out. Uh, to Erlacher and and what came to mind was the fact that when um, our former GM, Phil Emery, took over and how Erlacher left, you know the the the, the way that 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 whole that whole thing got that whole thing fell apart. Because from Erlacher's point of view, it wasn't the fact that they made an offer; it was just how they handled the whole situation. Considering right. what he had all, what he had done for the organization. So you're absolutely right. For Fox to come in and do that, I was I was happy to see that. I don't even care that it, if they necessarily bring him back to play. I'm just glad that they actually reached out to him, you know, to them understand, hey, we know what you did for this organization. Yeah, and, 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 and who knows? I mean, maybe he's all, maybe, you know, I, that's just speculation on my part. I You know, if, if it turned into that, I think that'd be great for you guys if he, you know, 
kind of a James Harrison type story, you know, um, if he could come back in and, and give you guys a year or two, you know, and, and, and solidify your defense, bring some bring some of that old, you know, that old style play back. Um, yeah. Great, you know. Well, I think great. you learn from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, uh, last but not least, um, I had asked you guys to kind of come up with uh, um, awards um, because this weekend um, they will be – is it this weekend or next week? I see next weekend. It's not this weekend. Um, just before the Super Bowl, they will announce the uh, NFL um, awards. But the pro football writers – um, did announce their rewards. I'm actually going to look those up um, as we talk about um, our awards. So let's start with Rookie of the Year. And um, Train, you first. Who is your Rookie of the Year? Oh, man. Um, I'm just going to go off the cuff with this one. Um I know uh, a lot of people are probably favoring Odell Beckham, but if I had to pick a guy who I thought was was a bigger value of, of a big value to his team, and a team actually got into the postseason, um, I like Kelvin Benjamin because they Steve Smith left and they had nothing. They didn't know what 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 the rookie was going to bring to him, and to me, he played he played well uh throughout the season well enough for, for them to be able to, to, to pull through at the end and win their win their division. Uh, you know, as you say it's about winning your division to get to the playoffs. Winning your division you're in. And I think he was a big part of that. So for me I like Kelvin Benjamin. Okay. Um J B, your rookie of the year. Okay. Well, I'm gonna be the fact that he was over a year coming on. So he was breaking up, Jay. Yeah. Not even moving, so I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, but, 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 but something is happening because it keeps happening, so I don't know. Yeah, what, I, it, it, I have no idea. I don't know what it is. It's beyond my control because I'm not even moving. Uh, but what I was saying is Odell Beckham, because of the, the impact that he had, he didn't play a full season, yet he still had 93 catches and I think 11 touchdowns in over an 11-game span without Victor Cruz. Uh, who knows what would have happened if, if Victor Cruz was healthy. I don't know, but that would be my pick because of the impact that he had and, and not being able to even play a whole season. Pro football writers gave it to Odell Beckham. Um uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. They actually did Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I, frankly, I don't see the Beckham pick. I think he played well as a rookie, but I don't understand when you talk about giving an award to a guy whose team finished third from you know third in their division. I don't see it, frankly. Um, I think how do you measure impact if it's not in wins and losses? So we're just looking for the stats, I, personally. But pro football writers agree. They gave it to uh, offensively to Odell Beckham. Uh, for me, it's pretty clear. Zach Martin. I, just, I mean, this is this is a guy who um, not only is uh, going to his first. Uh, he's a rookie going to Pro Bowl, and he's the first offensive rookie lineman to go All Pro in 40 years. You know, I, 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 you know how the NFL 
you know, you give this guy this major accolade, but then he's not your rookie of the year. And this is a team that not only won their division, but was tied for the best record in the NFL at 12-4. and four. So, and, and everyone wants to applaud the offensive line. Everybody wants to applaud DeMarco Murray. Well, what's the difference between last year's offensive line and this year's? It's Zach Martin. That's the difference. That's the only difference. You know, the four players are the same. It's Zach Martin. And yet, you got a guy that ran for over 1,800 yards. You got a team that won their division. You got a quarterback that finished the league with the highest QBR. That's your rookie of the year. To me, should have been hands down rookie of the year. We'll see what the NFL decides in, in you know, 11, 12 days. But to me, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Um, all right. Let's go offensive player of the year. And uh let's start with Jay, offensive player of the year. Oh boy. That's a tough one. I, I uh, you know what, offensive player of the year, I'm gonna have to say uh DeMarco Murray. Um I don't think anybody saw him getting eighteen hundred plus yards this year. Uh I don't think anybody saw him being in all sixteen games this year. And it's tough because I can see um, Romo getting that. I can see Rodgers getting that. Um, but because of how the season started with the expectations, that's what I'm going with. Dr. Train. Man, with him in very short words, I'm about to say I agree. It's unanimous, Murray. And uh, pro football writers agree. DeMarco Murray, offensive player of the year. Um Nothing else to say. Defensive player of the year. I have a feeling this one's going to be unanimous. So I'm just going to start and say, I'm going to just start and say, if you don't have J.J. Watt, um, speak now or forever hold your peace. And that's what I thought. Um, that was <laughs> we, we, we don't even really need to get into it. It's And, and pro football writers, um, defensive player of the year, there's really, it's, it's easy. J.J. Watt, we all know why. And, um, you know, if you had a defensive MVP, J.J. Watt, <laughs> you know, he, he is... Uh, Let me just say, T, it, it would have been nice to see Houston get into the postseason and just see that man play just one playoff game. I'm just going to say that. However, agreed. it would have happened. It would have been nice to, to see that man because this dude has a never-ending motor. I love it. Oh, yeah, it'd be nice, but... They need to go get a quarterback. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you know, it'd be great to see it on defense until the offense came out and did nothing. Um, you know, they, if they can fix their quarterback situation, then you know uh, that that team may may. You know, I don't think I don't think their division is is. I think their division is up for grabs, frankly. So you know, they can fix their quarterback situation, and we'll see next year. But uh, I don't disagree with you. But they need a quarterback. So. Um, all right, coach of the year. Who would be your coach of the year? Um, I'm looking. Do they have do the pro football writers have a coach of the year? Let's see. They have comeback player of the year, um, most improved player of the year. Uh, yep, they do have coach of the year. Uh, they went with um, uh, Arians of Arizona is their coach of the year. So, Dr. Trade, who is your coach of the year? Honestly, that's who comes to mind for me, Scotty. And he's telling me, yeah, him, that's, that's the only guy I can think of because um, he kept winning through all, through all adversity. My regular season, he kept winning through all adversity. I mean, bad, it still ran out at some point, but 
Florida versus UCLA winning. Uh, uh, he kept that team going. JB, Coach of the Year. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much well, he, he did the most with what he had. Um, maybe my homer had his arm, but I'm I'm taking Jason Garrett just because of the the, the expectations, and, and I'll get into that as our picks go along. But no one expected them to go 12 and 4, win the division. Nobody expected them to even get double digit wins. So he did a good job in directing the ship. So I'm going to give it to uh, Jason Garrett. Well, I'm going to get into it right now. It's highway robbery to me. I was stunned that this guy got coach of the year, finishing 11-5 and five and going in a wild card. I, 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 I'm stunned. You were at 10-16 and 16 last year. You're 11-5 team this year. And you're coach of the year? Dallas wasn't even expected to be a 500 team this year. And not only do they win their division, but they're a number three seed, um, tied for the best record in the NFL. And, yeah, they lost to Arizona because they played Brandon Whedon because Romo was out. It was the only game Romo didn't play. So I, I don't get this one at all. This this team had the number three quarters of the way into the season. They had the number one seed on lock. He's still telling people they're going to the Super Bowl. The use of, even with Carson Palmer out, and yet they falter down the stretch, losing the playoffs to Carolina. And he's coaching it now. Maybe you know regular season. So okay, fine. We won't we won't count playoffs. We'll just count regular season. They folded down the stretch, and I get it. They're on their third quarterback. I get it. You know, fine. They did exactly what they should have done. Okay, let's put it that way. You're on your third quarterback. You lost games down the stretch. How do you become coach of the year for that? I don't. I don't get that. I just don't. I think Jason. This was Jason Garrett's award. Period. He should have been the coach of the year. Absolutely nobody except myself and maybe JB, if he had his homer hat on like I did, picked the Cowboys to win the division at the beginning of the year. I have articles after articles of people saying the Cowboys are going to stink, worst team in the NFL. Jason Garrett was picked to be the 30th ranked NFL coach by ESPN before the season started. And he goes and he wins a playoff game? Okay, fine. We'll forget playoffs. I already said that. 12-4? and four? This guy should have been coach of the year, period. And if he doesn't get it, the other NFL coach of the year award, it's highway robbery. I'm sorry. And I'll be this is not my home hat. This is this is looking at the facts of the regular season sixteen games. Who was a better team for sixteen games? Dallas or Arizona? And who came the farthest? Arizona was ten and six last year. Dallas was eight and eight. With the worst defense in NFL history, or one of them. And yet they come out and people are thinking they could go win a Super Bowl. They played that well, where no one predicted Arizona to beat Carolina. And guess what? They didn't. I don't see this one. This is this one baffled where I where others I can kind of I can rationalize. Like, okay, Odell Beckham, I kinda of don't agree with that, but he did have a phenomenal year. Fine. Arians? Man, don't see it at all. And and to me, look at the last Last four games down the stretch, and how they just how they folded. They got they got one uh, um, decent win in those last four games. Just I don't see it at all. And what did Dallas do down the stretch? Four and up. They just took the division and went into the playoffs. Don't see it. Don't see it at all. All right. Hey, hey let, let me let me piggyback on that also because it just dawned on me. I don't even think um, what's the name Jerry Jones had any confidence in him either. Because as you recall, all three of his top assistants 
were set to expire for the contract this year, so he was going to let everybody go and clean house because he was expecting a below-average season. I, 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 I don't completely agree with that. I don't. I think he had nothing to gain by signing them at the beginning of the season. There's really no reason when you don't know what's going to happen. So why go out and, and spend the money now? Let's see what happens. I think you play it safe. I think I don't know that you're you're necessarily admitting that the season's going to be a failure, but I think you're saying I don't know what to expect. And I, I don't think he knew. I think he sat there and was optimistic, but I think he was realistic and said, "Well, let's see. Let let's see how this plays out." Because I'm not locking in. I'm not committing until I'm given a reason to commit. And I think that's a good business move, you know. And of course, obviously, you know, after the season he had. You know, about 36 hours it took him to lock in Garrett, Linehan, and uh, Marinelli. Now, Callahan went to uh, um, Washington, and they paid him a lot of money. So he's got the same job he had in Dallas over in Washington. Well, you go ahead over to Washington and make your money. Ain't got no problem with you. And you'll do exactly what Hatcher and Jason Jackson and all these other people that left playoff-level teams and, and went over there to Washington. You're going, you know, just die in obscurity. Um, good luck to you. Maybe you think you're going to be the head coach in a few years, so... Because uh, you know Garrett's not going anywhere, and you know Gruden might. <laughs> so maybe that's your plan. Good luck. We're good. Peace out. <laughs> um, all right, MVP. MVP. Um, let's see. I believe uh, Pro Football Writers, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Is their MVP? Um, let me start with Dr. Train. Okay. Did have a great year. Yeah, I'd probably go to Aaron Rodgers. All right. Uh, JB. I'm not surprised, but mine was Romo simply because of expectations again, and also for him being maligned in the past and not being able to win the big game or. Game is on the line. What's he going to do to to crumble away and then give the game to the other team? And through the course of the year, he never did that. He had the best QBR, the best uh, passer rating. So from a numbers perspective, he had it. From a leadership perspective, he had it. From wins and losses, he had it. So uh, Aaron had had a great year, heck of a year. I can't I can't have any faults with that. But mine is Romo, just for what I said. Uh, Cosign. I mean, that, that's pretty much my position. Is uh, um, if if I was a voter, I would go ahead and pick uh, Tony Romo. Um, I've said it for over the last several weeks that I think he's the NFL's MVP. I think he's played well enough to be MVP. I think it is it is just not fair that you say because Murray did more, Romo had to do less. Therefore, the impact, um, you know, isn't the same. Um, we we. We've seen, we see games where Murray had, you know, 70, 80 yards, and Romo does what he needs to do to win the game. You know, we saw that. Um, we saw that against Detroit. You know, that was Tony Romo came out and won that game. And that's what we saw throughout the season when Murray um, would fumble or when Murray, you know, didn't play well. It was Tony Romo that turned the team down and got a score even after Murray would fumble. Tony Romo is really, you know, and it's a shame because I used to think that if you watch the Cowboys every week that you understood this, and then I joined this Dallas Cowboys site 
and I actually put a link out there so some of them might be listening tonight. Um, I put a link out there on this Dallas Cowboy fan page on Facebook, and there's a lot of great fans on that on that site. There's also a lot of jerks on that site too, and there's a lot of people that don't know football and don't get the game. So I can I no longer feel that way that if you watch football every week and you watch a team, you'll get it because no, that's not true. You've got to understand the game, and if you understand the game and watch it every week, then you'll see what Jay and I see. Romo Romo now he's the MVP of that team. In my opinion, he's the MVP of the league. However. I have zero problem with Aaron Rodgers winning. I think it really is it really is a 51-49 thing. I really think they're both very close in performance, in leadership, in ability this year. This year, um, I, I think you know. I think if anybody deserved to be the fifth horseman this year, um, to me, it was definitely Tony Romo this year. Just off of this one 16-game year, frankly, go ahead and throw a playoff game in there too because. Romo didn't lose that game for Dallas. Um, um, I just feel this was Romo's really – it's kind of a shame that he's 34, 35 years old. He finally has a breakout year. Um, but he had it, and this was the year. And I think he, he this should be the year that he gets the MVP, in my opinion. He will not get it. Aaron Rodgers will be the NFL MVP. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about it. And I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem if Jason Garrett is not the NFL coach of the year and they give it to Bruce Arians. I have a problem. I don't give a damn about the executive of the year award they gave to Jerry Jones, but whatever, whatever, you know, good for Jerry Jones, but Jason Garrett deserves to be coach of the year. And I'm, 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 I'm going to be watching that show and he better get that award. Or I'm, I'm going, uh, Ooh, Ooh, guys, we going, Ooh, anyway. All right. Um, I think that's about all we've got tonight. It's 930. President's been speaking for about 15 minutes or so, so I want to go catch his thoughts and see where and see where he's at and, and see how much uh, crap the Republicans give him tonight. So, uh, JB, final words, final thoughts. Uh, great show, great conversation. I don't know what's wrong with my phone or reception. Uh, hopefully it'll work out better next week. Looking forward to uh, that discussion and looking forward to hearing what I'd say. All right. Dr. Train, final thoughts. Man, uh, looking forward to see who we get as uh, offensive coordinator. It, it looks like we'll be interviewing Adam Gates on Wednesday, so we'll see how that goes. And I'll also, I'm also interested to see what happens with Mark Tressman down there in, uh, uh, with, with the Ravens, man. That's, um, that's going to be interesting to watch next season. Uh, other than that, you know, I guess I'll spend some time watching the Senior Bowl and the Pro Bowl this weekend. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get to the movies and see Sniper and Selma this weekend. Um, <laughs> that's gonna, that's, you know what I'm saying? It's, man, it's gonna be a tough weekend without some football. Although I may watch the Senior Bowl too. So, um, all right. Well, um, to uh, Doctor Train and to JB, another great show. We want to thank everybody. And hey, listen, I want to thank uh, the fans because I, I checked our uh, ratings. Uh, the last two shows shot up with listeners. And so want to thank you all and want to ask you keep listening. And if you like what you, what you hear, keep listening. If you don't, shoot us a message on Facebook, on Twitter, and just say, hey, I wish you guys would do more of this, less of that. And we listen to all opinions and all advice. Uh, and if you really like us, do us a big favor and tell a friend about it. Get on that Facebook page. Just take a minute and like it. We do not uh, flood Facebook with a lot of stuff. Maybe I don't even know if I do one post a day on Facebook, um, so you, you don't have to worry about it clogging up your news feed, but we do try to at least 
and it'll share some relevant stuff. So check it out. But thank you, thank you all for uh, enjoying the Madden Voice uh, Super Bowl. Not this weekend, next weekend. We will be back next Tuesday night, and we're going to dedicate the entire show. Um, we will talk about the latest NFL news, but we're really going to dive into the Super Bowl and, you know, who you got, the Patriots or the Seahawks. So for Dr. Train and for JB, thanks for listening. Remember, here on the Madden Voice, all feuds are settled on the field. We'll see you next week.